0: This podcast is brought
1: to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Bill Clark has never been far from food. Shortly after getting his undergraduate degree at Wharton, he became a product manager at a company that made soups and breakfast meats. In 1982, he started his own business, a Chicago-based producer and marketer of specialty foods, everything from soups and pastas to salad dressings and natural licorice. He sold the business in 1995 and spent the next six years consulting and working for the Burpee Seed Company. In 2001, he was offered the job of executive director of Phil Abundance, the Philadelphia area's largest nonprofit hunger relief organization. Through its network of 500 agencies, which include food cupboards, shelter programs, social service organizations, and neighborhood distribution programs, it delivers food to low income residents. Last year, Phil Abundance gathered and redistributed more than 20 million pounds of food throughout the Delaware Valley, along with another 2 to 3 million pounds to organizations up and down the coast. Its 140 employees help organize community food centers, farmers markets, and a toll-free food helpline, among other services. They also give boxes of food to victims of disasters, including most recently, Hurricane Sandy. Bill, thanks for joining us. An obvious uh, but interesting first question, or rather two questions, is why you joined Phil Abundance and what skills from the private sector you were able to transfer to this job?
0: Well, I've always been interested for my entire life, at least from high school on, in uh, hunger, world hunger, domestic hunger, Um, but most of my career was spent in the private sector. And uh, my Wharton training, my business training, uh, all, I think, helped Bring a skill set of business management and professionalism to the nonprofit arena.
1: Well, for instance, what what was was not working well, or could have worked better that you that you were able to fix or improve upon when you came.
0: Well, I think that the the disciplines of the business world, uh, metrics, understanding you know what exactly we're trying to accomplish, the uh, the the clarifying a vision. Uh, strategy to get there uh, and, and a, a kind of an aggressiveness towards goals is what I brought. Okay. Uh,
1: I want to mention Hurricane Sandy mm-hmm. since uh, hundreds of thousands of people in many different communities are still suffering its its uh, after-effects. What happens when you add a natural disaster to the normal course of things, the everyday lack of adequate food for people?
0: Well a whole lot goes wrong. <laughs> um, the While well, the hurricane did not affect the Philadelphia area as much as our neighboring areas in Jersey and New York, uh, Phil Abundance, as a member of Feeding America, we're all kind of networked together. So we've been uh, aggressively helping the food banks of New Jersey and New York resupply. So what tends to happen is really two things. One is the group of people who are Removed from their homes, dislocated, and they go into shelters and you go into a food service congregate feeding mode, kind of emergency feeding. The other uh, larger effect is the people that lose power because then all the perishable foods that people on the refrigerators are lost. Uh, in fact, the, the food bank in northern New Jersey was without power and it lost all of its perishable supplies in its large warehouse. So as soon as they got power up, we sent a couple trucks up of perishable product to refill that. Uh, the problem that we we're having is not so much imperishable food because the power outages uh, occur in the supply channel as well. So we have unprecedented amounts of donations of perishable, short coated product. Uh, we have a problem using it all. Uh, but on the other side of the house, the dry shelf stable product. Uh, at this point in time in the year, we're at our low tidal level, and uh, we've been a couple days where we've, <clears throat> excuse me, where we've been really out of stock. Uh, the the uh, rainy season for food donations, dry food donations with food drives and such, happens immediately after Thanksgiving, and the couple of weeks before Thanksgiving are you know, we're holding on with the limited inventory waiting for the resupply to come. And so we're in a really, really bad position right now with dry product. The uh, sheltering system of Sandy really just made that a little worse.
1: What about the drought? Hasn't that had a bad effect? I mean, the country's been in this prolonged drought, the crop yields are down, prices are up. What has that done to your supply? Uh, The
0: drought is affecting the entire food industry. It will continue. In fact, most of the effect hasn't been felt yet because the crops that are being, uh, as I understand it, the crops that are being most impacted are the crops that go into feed for the livestock industry. Uh, So that will have longer term repercussions and everything from eggs to catfish.
1: Okay. You've um, You've been the head of Phil Abundance for 11 years now. So have things gotten worse? Are more people going hungry now than, say, three years ago or six years ago or 10 years ago?
0: Yeah, I'd like to say it's not my fault, but yeah, <laughs> yes, things have gotten worse. I mean, certainly the uh, financial crisis and the ensuing recession have made things worse uh, on, a, on a crisis mode. But the more fundamental changes that have been occurring uh, are, have more to do with the global labor market, Uh, We're seeing the change from hunger that used to exist in rural areas like Appalachia or inner cities like North Philadelphia has really leaped beyond those pockets into the middle working class. So I I don't think there's probably a zip code in the country today that is totally devoid of hunger. Uh, In the past seven, eight years, we've seen a tremendous growth of need in some of the most affluent counties in our area. Uh, as little pockets are showing up and in those areas there hasn't been uh, a history of the infrastructure in place so for a while now we've been racing to open up new locations to provide a distribution system for that kind of product.
1: That sort of gets to the question of what social institutions you see as helping to keep low-income people afloat. I mean is it churches, is it schools, is it families, is it the welfare system?
0: Well I think that the Charitable nonprofit sector has been really in high gear for the last eight years, um, and it's been amazing the amount of community grassroots support that we've gotten. So uh, Phil Abundance itself has more than doubled in size since 2007 in both the uh, our staff, our food that we distribute, uh, and we can only do that to the degree that the community supports us with their donations. So that's been very gratifying. Uh, This recession has been problematic for the whole system because where we would typically rely on government to be the cavalry that came in and, and provided a, a strengthening of that safety net, they've actually contributed to the problem. Uh, there have been budget cuts for areas of hunger relief supply. Uh, the federal government saw an increase in that supply as part of the stimulus bill, increased eligibility for food stamps, uh, increased benefits, uh, more purchasing of uh, commodities from the USDA to distribute to poor areas, but the stimulus plan has run its course. So now we're we're re- retrenching back to the earlier times, and uh, that's leaving the nonprofit community with a, a burden that we really are having difficulty meeting.
1: Wait, but you said that that since around two thousand eight, uh, sort of the charitable. Um, organizations have stepped up, more people are donating time and money, why, why that sudden uptick? What happened? Uh, right well, the, time?
0: the rapid changes we saw actually preceded the recession. Uh, people don't remember this, but there was 450 gas uh, the summer before the crisis. Uh, and with the increasing of fuel prices in the summer, we started seeing uh, huge shifts in the demand uh, of need. Um, the financial crisis in the fall just kind of accelerated that, um, so we 've seen that problem continuing from even before the uh, the the food crisis okay.
1: are you worried about the uh, the fiscal cliff that everyone 's talking about the the um, you know the automatic cutback in in spending and the the higher taxes that will occur in January unless some compromise is reached
0: we we are we are um, I don't think anyone should underestimate the impact or the, the scale of support that the needy in our country get from government. Um, if you take all of the food banks in the country, all of the food that we distribute, uh, and you put an economic value on it, it would be equivalent to just 10% of the total food stamp SNAP benefit program. So there's a lot of discussion in Congress about rolling back those entitlement programs, either as a part of the fiscal cliff or part of the general austerity. So, you know, the way we look at it, if the SNAP benefit were to be reduced by only 10%, it would require the charitable world to double in size to meet the gap. Uh, And we're literally not able to do that. We're struggling right now to keep our pipes full with donated product. Uh, In fact, many of the food banks in the country, including ours, have already moved in the last six weeks to pretty aggressive purchasing of product, outright purchasing, which then we just put into our pipe as if it was donated just to keep the uh, supply open.
1: So where do you get your food? In in what percentage quantities? Uh,
0: Most of our donated food really comes from the food industry. Uh, The most visible thing to the general public are the food drives uh, that are run at churches or schools. But if you total up all the food drives, that's about 10% of our total. Uh, the, The vast majority of the food is food industry. Uh, if you were to come to my warehouse, as many people do, they're surprised to see that the food in my warehouse is actually palletized, uh, multiple pallets of the same product. And um, we are in many ways an adjunct to the food industry for food products that uh, at some level they've decided is not sellable. Uh, It's still wholesome, it's still good to eat, but they're not going to put it into their uh, distribution system. So we are, in essence, an alternative to uh, throwing it into the dump.
1: But Uh, as you say, it's still good quality? Still good quality,
0: absolutely good quality. In fact, we have a very aggressive, and all food banks do have an aggressive quality control program. If we're called to a site for a donation, we'll do assessments and we'll turn down donations if the quality isn't sufficient.
1: Okay, you know, social media these days have an amazing ability to publicize disaster after disaster and get people to raise funds or or volunteer their time to these victims. Do you worry that that the general public gets kind of numb to these appeals after a while? Could that could that in fact diminish your ability to sort of touch people's hearts?
0: I ha- I am constantly afraid of that, um, and you know it. Every time we come up to a budget year, and we've been growing at a, at a fairly good clip, I mean double-digit clip. If we were a for-profit company, the last eight years we would have been a growth company, uh, unfortunately. Uh, so every year when I look at my budget, I have to say, well, do we expect that the bloom is going to come off the rose? Do we expect that these donations will continue at this rate? Uh, A lot of people in the charitable uh, charitable, uh, industry are seeing their donations go down. But hunger and homelessness and those basic services have been um, really different from that trend. So we're always concerned about that because we can only provide services to the degree that we get that donation support. I mean, What most people don't realize is we get virtually nothing. The amount of funding I get from government sources is probably less than 2%. Uh, So I'm totally dependent on charitable donations. And if that attitude changes or there's a competitive disaster, uh, we call a – earthquake in Haiti or or something like that, then we will see vast disruptions of the charitable money flow, and that will cause disruptions to our operations. So, um, yeah, I'm always planning for uh, a quieting or or a a weariness of donations, but uh, to the credit of the community, that hasn't happened yet.
1: Great. What's been your most successful initiative at Phil Abundance?
0: I think the 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 most successful one, which really is maybe too early to say it's a success, uh, is that we're in the process of building out right now to open the first nonprofit grocery store in the country. Uh, we have been struggling, as most food banks have, with the growth of need met with a flattening of the supply of food. I mean, I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and find another Walmart or another Campbell's soup that I didn't know about. Uh, After 35 years, the industry has pretty much identified all of the industrial sources of donation, and we're not seeing that grow. Uh, In fact, industry is getting tighter and tighter and more efficient and reducing their waste. Uh, So we're seeing a stabilization of donation, but not a stabilization in need, and that's led us to... Look for new uh, modalities to deal with the problem. And what Phil Abundance is doing is shifting to a nonprofit grocery store model to put stores in uh, food deserts, in really impoverished areas where commercial entities uh, can't find a viable niche. To, to, we can operate as a nonprofit at a much lower cost of business. Uh, my capital costs are lower, my return on investment requirements are nil, Uh, I just have to break even. For me, that's a success. So I can operate in niches of communities where a for-profit entity can't. And uh, if we can provide uh, better uh, more efficient food delivery for a community that has SNAP benefits, that has some disposable income, we can stretch our ability to go into uh, hunger relief in those areas.
1: So a customer of this grocery store, what would they see upon walking into the store? How would that be different from, say, going into a four? store? Our goal
0: is to make that look as much like a grocery store as possible. I think the, uh, you know, I have the advantage of being married to an anthropologist and she always reminds me that uh, at root of what people in economic stress want is they want nor- normalcy. And uh, that goes for people who live in the inner city and in these impoverished areas. They want to be normal Americans. They want to shop. They want to pay for food. They want choice. They want to be consumers. Uh, because they grow up in a culture of consumers. Uh, People don't realize is that even though some say, well, they want stuff, they actually don't. They want choice. They want control over their lives. So our store will look uh, as much like a traditional grocery store as we're able to do. In fact, the name of the store is going to be Fair and Square. Um, we, We are purposely not framing the positioning as a a dollar store as a as a budget buster. I mean, we're providing good food, nutritious food, uh, at very very reasonable prices. Uh, It's the access, the dependability, and the reliability of supply that we're going to be providing here.
1: So as you say, instead of having food kind of thrust upon them, they will actually go in and see a choice, have a choice of items on a grocery shelf. They will.
0: They will uh, purchase all the product that will be in this store will be purchased by us and resold to our clients. Um, But the prices will be very reasonable and if a family uh, is, is of such means that they deserve some additional assistance, we'll give them rebates on the product. So the prices will be available for everyone, but people who have assistance will get uh, additional store credit that will be a percentage of their purchasing that they can use on f- future trips.
1: Okay. Uh, what would you say your biggest leadership challenge is at Bill Abundance? I think the biggest
0: leadership challenge for me or any leader of a nonprofit entity is uh, trying to identify and then communicate what the real objectives and purpose of the organization are. If you look at the missions of nonprofits, they tend to be very aspirational in nature. We'll work to end hunger. Uh, as a businessman, I had a very clear idea of what my goals were. They're always very money related. It was you know, return on capital, return on investment, profitability. Revenue. We don't have those easy metrics to go by when we have an aspirational goal. So trying to establish what exactly we're trying to accomplish and identify that in a way that you can get uh, alignment of your organization and your community of support is really the toughest thing that we have to do to accomplish it. Uh, one of the advantages that we have, that I've experienced, unlike the uh, commercial world where the guy next to you is a competitor, we're surrounded by collaborators. Uh, we are not in a competitive arena here. We collaborate uh, all the time uh, with other food distributing vehicle organizations. So when we do food drives, where I go on the air and say, you know, help help out, it, it doesn't matter to me whether they help fill abundance or they help a food cupboard or another organization. We're, we're struggling against this common foe, this common cause of hunger. Uh, and if another organization is providing relief, that's, I, I consider that a win. So the collaboration is a really wonderful uh, experience to have having been in the business world where it's a, it's a very antagonistic, uh, aggressive community.
1: So since you don't use the usual metrics, metrics of success that you find in the, mm-hmm. in the for-profit world, how do you measure success?
0: Uh, it's difficult. We measure success uh, certainly in outcomes uh, or outputs, you know, the, the number of pounds we distribute. Um, we in many ways look at our community, our service area, like we would a public health organization. We break the area down into catchment zones, Uh, We use geographic information systems, we overlay that uh, with demographic data to estimate uh, the the market, so to speak, in each of these catchment zones, and then we measure uh, the amount of access that the people in that community have, as well as the amount of resources that we're providing into that community. Uh, We're balancing, trying to always balance those resources, and at the same time trying to measure the unmet need which is really what we're looking for, the market potential, so to speak. And that's what we use to identify what our future planning should be uh, addressing.
1: Okay, I have one final question for you. Mm -hmm. If you could propose one course of action, either on a national, state, or local level, that would make a big dent in the problem of hunger in this country, what would it be?
0: Uh, Other than a a huge increase in donations to fill abundance.
1: Uh, (laughs) Other than that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, other than that. I think that the problem of hunger uh, is a a wicked problem. It's a very complex problem. It's a community-wide problem. And that the solution to a problem like that, which, quite frankly, human beings have been struggling with since since biblical times, the way to deal with a hunger uh, problem is to realize that it requires a broad and coordinated community response at all levels. Uh, I would say that that collaboration between federal, state, local governments, nonprofit communities, academic institutions—that the greater the collaboration, uh, the greater the coordination, the more we're able to deal with the problem. Uh, I think that struggling to meet this problem within our own organization, totally ignorant of what's going on in Washington for public policy or Harrisburg for public policy, or even City Hall, uh, I think is very short-sighted. I'm not able to solve the problem of hunger solely at my desk in Phil Abundance, but neither is uh, President Obama able to solve it. From his position in Washington, I think that a much greater coordination and collaboration is what we're really uh, going to need.
1: So, would you do that by setting up, say, a Department of Hunger that would coordinate efforts through every type of of locale? Well, and, I think
0: I think the Department of Hunger idea or the USDA is really there. I think there is a um, a federal initiative, but I don't think that federal initiative. Um, Really appreciates and integrates with the nonprofit community or the um, uh, commercial community. I mean, people forget that the SNAP program, which is the what's now the food stamp program, the primary beneficiaries of that, from a commercial point of view, are the commercial retailers. Uh, you know, the the billions of dollars of food stamp benefits are are only realized as food when they're purchased from a a, a a retailer. Uh, so it's a huge stimulus program for the business. And if you talk to the uh, operators of Kroger, Safeway, uh, Super Value, they'll tell you that that's a substantial uh, uptick to their revenue. And I think that they, those commercial vendors, those commercial manufacturers of the food industry have to be involved in that. Uh, discussion as well as the agricultural community now, the the scope of the hunger problem is really immense and uh, no one department can be the leader I, I think we're we're looking at a movement creating a movement here that's much more like if you were trying to, to gain women's suffrage or put an end to slavery or or uh, end child labor uh, it's a it's a It's a social problem, a political problem, an economic problem, a logistics problem. Uh, And uh, at the end of the day, it's a shame. Uh, What everyone can agree with is that hunger is bad, and it's a tragedy that in a country that is probably the richest on the globe, we have over 40 million Americans that uh, are at risk of going hungry.
1: Well, Bill, good luck. Thanks very much for coming in. Thank you. I appreciate it.